Hello and welcome to Podcast Extra, episode 222. That's 222. Yes. Is that how you say that? That's how you say it. I'm Andrew. Some people call me Gitch. You're free to call me whatever you like, as long as it's Anything? positive and edifying to my spirit. How about no, friend? That's limit. Friend. I like that. <laughs> friend. So apparently last week the audio was horrible. It, it may be horrible now. Oh. And you know who I'm going to blame? Uh, we're going to blame uh, Brian Schmuland, who's actually sitting in the room with us right now. He is one of our tech tech guys at the church. He's sitting in the room with us, monitoring it. So anybody who's got a problem with the audio, be Schmuland at northview.org. Yep. And how long did he spend setting up? We're oh, how, we're how late in starting? a long time. Yeah. It's good, but it's going to be so... But if it's awesome, you should send an email to bschmuland at northview.org saying, wow. You are a magician. Or A. Gullovich Love you, at northview.org. I'm seated here with uh, Kyle. Hello. With Paul. Hello. I always think Paul has the greatest radio voice here. If you agree, P. Siemens at <laughs> northview.org. Uh, Brian? Yep. Yeah. Brian's sitting off in the corner. So you have to corner. show. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, Mr. Steiger? I'm present. And Dr. Jeffrey Bucknam. Yeah, that's me. Kyle, you didn't say Dr. Kyle Meeker. I didn't, because no, Kyle's, didn't. I'd say, more of, a, more of a friend, more of a close friend. He's, he's actually a doctor. Dr. I know Meeker sounds like a puppet. <laughs> You're thinking <laughs> of Beaker from the Muppets. Did you know yep. the Muppets are oh, yeah. going to be back on TV? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yes, yep. they're renewing the Muppets. Uh, I read an article recently sure that Miss Piggy is no longer fat and sh- and sour faced. Oh, and apparently doesn't like Kermit or, anymore. Which I see no, that like they, Kermit. No, I apparently think, they're going I their separate think ways. What happened was they they broke up. Yes, but then Kermit apparently has a new love. Which I'm like, Kermit, which is the on. other, which apparently is the other. You need to pig. be a one it's pig a frog. different it's looking right. pig. One pig frog. Yeah, <laughs> one pig frog. Yeah. Oh, so I think that's a mistake for them. Oh, a huge mistake. I do too. Yeah. No. The 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 uh, the twisted love between frog and pig, mm-hmm. Kermit and Miss Piggy, mm-hmm. really was the driving force behind mm. that show. It was magical. Yeah. And in other news, Kraft Dinner has now officially changed and remarketed themselves as KD. Officially. You're kidding me. I'm very What's serious. What's wrong with Kraft Dinner? It's KD now. Well, you know what? You saying it makes now me want to Now I want to go it. back to Kraft Dinner. It's because Kevin Durant's the spokesman now. <laughs> Is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently now they changed some of the ingredients and now there's no artificial. It's not dinner anymore? There's no, <laughs> yeah. Does there's it no cancer artificial. Yeah. There's no artificial. Isn't the whole... Th- that was the whole point of it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's no artificial color now. The orange is now naturally it's achieved. White. Kraft Dinner? No, is it is is it orange? No, it's still orange, but now it's not artificially orange. Got it. Naturally, there's orange. nothing better than no sense there's me. nothing better than natural orange. They just they just <laughs> right. crumpled up some fall leaves and put it in there, and you're right. good. <laughs> and like the pumpkin spice latte this year from Starbucks now has real pumpkin. What true, did it have before? True story. I can't answer. I'd that. be lying if I told you that I wasn't excited about that. <laughs> I when pumpkin I saw that it's coming out early. When I saw that it was coming out early, I was pretty stoked. Do you have your your uh, Burberry scarf too, and your Yes. You go get it. Yes. <laughs> your, your shoulder bag. My pumpkin spice <laughs> latte. Andy, Andy, tall please. Reeks of hipster. I'd say Greg reeks more of hipster. No, but Andy is just Andy is all hipster all the time. 
I don't know about that. I don't have oh, a beard. He doesn't have a beard. If I, have a, if I had a beard, then I'd be Do you I'd know, with your baldness, hipster. with your baldness and a beard, you would be. If you grew it really, yeah. really yes. long, and yeah. you just... You'd look oh, yeah. like Dr. Meeker. Um, Dr. Hipster. So in the room right now, there are several people, and I, Andy and I are the only two people without a beard. So for those of you who have a beard, can I just can I just say something? Uh, I was in a com- <laughs> I was in a conversation. No, I was in a conversation with with some young women recently, and I asked them. So, in all seriousness, and I know you're not supposed to say this out loud, but do do you hate the beards? And they were like, they're hideous, and we hate we hate all of them. Mm. Like, what happened to people? Men shaving their faces. <laughs> Your daughters don't like it. Your wives uh, yeah. don't like it. Listen, just hey, stop. Actually, my daughter likes my beard. Yeah, she, she wants doesn't. me to grow she it. Just wants to, she wants me to grow it to be like Santa come Christmas time. She wants you to. <laughs> so, she wants you to love Daddy, her. Can you grow your beard she like Santa? That by saying that, you will love her more. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? The first one of the first things Jeff told me when we met is he said, "Hey, can I just talk to you about something?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." Because I, I just want to talk to you about your soul patch. It's like. <laughs> You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, really? Do you, do you need to have that you know bit of hair right under your lip? Uh, you know, it you was look, funny enough. You I look kid good. you not. Like a month later, I shaved it off. You look I good with I thought it. about it. I'm like, you know, I guess I don't know. I've had it for a while. Maybe it's time to get rid of it. That a boy. But see, Jeff, it, it, Jeff repent, repent, Siemens. Yes. <laughs> no. I refuse. So this my wife one, loves it. No, nah, she doesn't. She this does. one or two She's girls, saying that because she'll send she you wants an email this week, and it'll say. Paul Siemens needs to keep the beard. <laughs> I think it's manly. I'd keep it. I think you, you look like it. a lumberjack. But did these two it's girls really speak? <laughs> did they speak on behalf of all the whole? <laughs> Listen, I, okay, let's let's just let's <laughs> just put it out there to to the three girls who listen to our podcast. Uh, if you are in favor of beards, you should send us an email that says so. If you think that I'm right regarding the hideousness and uh, <laughs> how beards should not be socially acceptable, you should also send in an email to extra at Northview.org. And if you have an in with Starbucks, you're invited to send pumpkin you spice like lattes. Hey, Jeff, have you, you like Spurgeon, do you not? I do. He had a beard. Yeah, that, that was a yeah, beard of all beards. There's no question about it. Here's the funny thing about the beard, though. You're going to you ever go to Costco beard. and buy their go to their cafe? There's always a there's a dude who works there with a beard, and the, they ha- and he has to have like a beard a beard <laughs> covering. Thing. Oh, there was <laughs> no reason to shave. The that. He has to talk through this net. Hysterical. Yes. Mouthful of and hair. He's got this net over his chin, <laughs> and it's pinned up by his ears. And I'm too. like, dude, just stop. <laughs> just shave shave it, off, it off. Okay. That's just shameful. But boys. Keep the beard, man. I love it. It's manly. Don't listen to Jeff. Okay. That's some of the best advice I probably could give you. Best advice? Buy a razor. Don't don't listen. Don't listen to Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen here. We got some questions to go through. So why don't we do that? Or we could keep bantering. Oh, good. We could talk Bring about the on. Blue Jays. Let's get into Bring it. it. On. Half okay. our listeners have turned us off. But no, okay. there's a subject that I want to address soon, and it does has nothing to do with beards. Good. Okay. So I'm just it? gonna let you know that. Do that. Oh, you have to wait and see, won't you? Oh. Well. Says a carrot. I'm going to keep the people to the end of the podcast. <laughs> and okay. Because Jeff has... I'm riveted. I've got is something it an airing of grievance? No, it's okay. not airing of Question. Is polygamy wrong? Hey, didn't we already address this question? Is no, polygamy wrong? It's a Go. follow-up. It's a follow-up. Because a few <laughs> weeks ago, we did talk about How polygamy. How is that a follow-up? So what was the other one? What was the other question? The question a couple weeks ago talked about polygamy. Uh, you have to ask Darcy. He hosted. Okay. Or maybe Greg. Yeah, I forgot. We talked a little bit about polygamy, but the question here talks about, first of all, is it wrong? And then are there contexts where it's okay? 
like countries where it's legal? Is it okay then? So here's the thing in the scriptures. Uh, the scriptures um, will provide um, will provide some boundaries around polygamy, which has led some people to say, oh, the Bible tacitly approves of polygamy, right? Be- because the Bible and some of the Levit- Levitical laws will end up saying something like, yeah, if you have your first wife does this, you have another wife, these sorts of things, right? It's the, the law is actually trying to put some boundaries around it. So people will somehow think that that's God giving permission. That's not at all the case. And so I'm going to do what Jesus did when he had a conversation with the Pharisees over uh, divorce. He said, uh, instead of looking at Levitical law where Moses talked about divorce and permitted it, why don't you go back further and go to the creation account and decide what God intended. And in that account... God intended prior to the fall for a man and a woman to be joined together, one flesh. Not one guy and two girls or two guys and one girl or two guys or two girls or whatever. There, there is a, uh, there is a um, gender binary and a complementarity that takes place between these two, these two people, husband and wife. And there's a, I mean, yeah. A rich significance to that that's communicated through the one flesh statement. So, what what is God's ideal? God's ideal is uh, is heterosexual marriage. Um, how do people ruin that? Uh, several ways. One of them's polygamy, which ended up becoming a very popular way in the ancient world because of some of the social um, some of the social problems that women had in terms of getting jobs or working or it's a lot of patriarchy that meant so that women, the only way a woman could have any kind of standing in the community is that she was tied to a guy. Uh, And that a lot of those reasons for that polygamy arising is sinful. So polygamy itself is, is not God's ideal. It's sinful. And it's completely irrelevant whether or not it's legal or illegal in certain countries. Yeah. Yeah, divorce we, isn't illegal, right? But we think it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Adultery is not illegal. So our Christian worldview would trump that what what our government says. Yeah, I yeah. don't. The, gov- the government is going to change its mind on a thousand. Things. Again, that's one of the reasons yeah. why I'm, draw- I'm drawing the attention back to the creation account here. Mm-hmm. Is that if you have questions a- at any point about you know what what's right sexually or these sorts of things. You look back to the creation account, how God made the world. If you yeah. want to see how people are supposed to flourish, look how God made the world because they were flourishing in the garden. That's what they were made to do there. Mm. And so when we break God's ideal in the garden is when the world breaks apart. And so this is, again, this is a very consistent approach in the scriptures for, I mean, Jesus did this. Paul does this when he talks about homosexuality in Romans 1. Uh, the gender... Uh, issue about who, whether or not uh, women should teach or have authority in a church. It, Paul addresses this by going back to the created order, saying there's certain things that guys are made to do and certain things that women are made to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's the, my argument is that, yeah, all this, the polygamy fits within that system. So the scriptures regulate polygamy, but don't legitimate it. Don't legitimize aff- it. Yeah. Legi- yeah. Don't affirm it as a good, good option. Right. Which is something that should be really noted, right? Because mm-hmm. a we read our Bibles all the time and we come to some really weird conclusions. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Bible says that polygamy is okay because it describes how one ought to live under it. The right. Bible says slavery is okay because it describes how one ought to live under it. That There's no scripture anywhere that talks about slavery in a positive sense. 
It's there's no model in the Bible that says uh, you should enslave people. Mm-hmm. It, it gives instructions for people who are living under that imperfect system. How do you live faithfully there? Which is a legitimate question to ask uh, for the biblical writers, and they do. But it doesn't endorse it. I see that actually quite a bit where people will go, oh, the Bible talked about this, must be endorsing it. Or if it's, you know, the, a patriarch did this, must be endorsing it. No, you know, the Bible will you know, describe what, what's going on at a certain time, but that doesn't mean that it's endorsing it. Right. Yeah. Uh, you can see that on multiple levels of, of different things that are taking place. There's an instructor at CBC, shameless plug here, who uh, coined a phrase, perhaps it wasn't him, but the Bible is, is descriptive on things rather than prescriptive. So this would be a, an instant like Always? That. In this case. Is it always descriptive? What do you think? I think that there's lots of prescription in the scriptures. I agree. <laughs> but in cases like, because when, when we turn to the scriptures and say, oh, you know, polygamy or... Right, but see, the, the, the critique from a critic would be that, well, yeah. you're just being arbitrary with what you call descriptive and prescriptive. Right. But if you understand the way that the scriptures are written, right, oftentimes in a narrative, for example, the way that you, the way that you highlight the, what you want people to do in a narrative is that you, there are heroes and villains, and mm-hmm. the heroes are to be emulated and the villains to be a- avoided, uh, their actions... That, that sort of thing you can you can perceive through a narrative, but then you have things that, that are more didactic, that are more teaching-oriented, like the epistles, where mm-hmm. you'll have the author say, do this, don't do that, do this, don't do that. So I'm just saying that you can usually tell by the context or the way that the thing is written mm-hmm. whether or not the authors are, are telling you to uh, follow the actions of one character or, or, or uh, avoid the actions of another. Can, can I just put a plug in here? This is one of those reasons why I think it's so important when you're like preaching the Old Testament or something like that, that you're constantly pointing people towards Christ. Because I think there's a problem, though, that we've made in the past where we'll edify somebody like King David, and then, you know, you'll you'll read something about, you know, King David, you know, uh, and his affair with Bathsheba, Bathsheba. And it's not like the Bible's telling you that because it's telling you, oh, you should have an affair like King David. Say, no, <laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't. Right, look what happens as a result of King David having... An affair with Bathsheba. But one of the problems we have is because we've lifted King David up so much, right. it really messes with a lot of people's minds because we, we forget, you know, the Bible's not telling you about King David because he's the hero of the story. Hmm. He, he's telling you about a hero that's going to be coming. And in fact, he's going to come in the line of King David. Right. Right. And polygamy, though, is interesting. I mean, it's interesting you bring up David because uh, because David, the rest of David's life after after the sin with Bathsheba, his family situation. Like, it's all a mess. It's a colossal mess. This is the same kind of thing that happens when you read stories about polygamy. Like, just think about the different characters in Scripture that that get into trouble because they have multiple wives. I'm thinking about uh, Isaac, right? With yep. Leah and Rachel. It doesn't work out Jacob. well for him. Sorry, Jacob, okay. with Leah and Rachel. So, but, like, we... So, so you have... Yeah. The example there is not a positive one in any way. Like, it, it causes all sorts of problems. And the Bible forbids it anyway, right? Where it says you, know, you can't serve two masters. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Do you get that? That I, was a joke, but I, nobody I got, got it. it. I got it. Okay, no, but that's a marriage is marriage we were is supposed a picture. to laugh at that point. You didn't. It was too clever. Marriage is, a, <laughs> marriage is a picture of God's relationship to his people, right? And so when his people have adulterous affairs and marry themselves off to other gods this isn't a thing that makes god happy so Mm. if if marriage is a picture of that 
then it's one man, one one woman committed to each other for life. Period. Yep. Like Kermit to Miss Piggy. <laughs> they never. Well, did they ever get married? I don't know. I think the. I think. But the where would they weddings live? Always fell apart. I know in the right? most recent a, Muppet movie, it fell apart. A frog can marry a pig, but where will they live? Swamp, buddy. Hey, lily pad. You figured it out. <laughs> you figured it out. Wow. Okay, moving along. But the second, the second part of that question was: Are there contexts? I think. Yes, it talked about. Okay, and this is something that missionaries actually have to deal, they deal with. Deal with, yep. Right, That's right, right. And so you get sometimes a uh, missionary will be somewhere in wherever it's Asia or Africa, mm-hmm. where where you have um, communities where polygamy is a, a big part of it. But then you have the family comes to faith in Christ. So now what do we do? Right. Yeah. Right. And that's a that's a very difficult thing. And and the husband, whatever happens sexually within those relationships, I, I don't know how that moves forward, but I know that the husband is still required to care for those women. Right. Because they're under his care. Well and the and the social the the community and the social structures of that community have actually set it up so that those women, if they are left uh, out of his care, they will not be cared for by anyone. Yeah, and right. so you by, cursed. by by creating um, by changing the polygamy mm-hmm. are actually undercutting the way that the society as a whole works. Now listen, I'm 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 actually suggesting that in the long run that's exactly what you want to do. Right. right? You actually want to do that. But in the short run you might have somebody in your church, if you're a missionary who's a polygamist and he's got yeah. three wives and he's caring for them, but you as a pastor are encouraged, or not just encouraging, you're calling him to listen, you, you need to treat your first wife as your only wife, and the other two you have a you have a responsibility to to care for them and their children and these sorts of things, but yeah. to abstain from sexual relations yeah. with them. So this is the kind of things that missionaries yes. have to have to work with. But they take the long view, right? They 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 don't th- say, Well, we're gonna come in here and everything's gotta change immediately to look exactly like the the goal we right. work we work toward that goal yeah right in a trajectory toward that toward that goal you might not reach it for lots and lots of years but this is not that what all ministry is yeah I mean yeah. I we meet with people all the time who are whose lives are imperfect I my life isn't perfect I'm is? working toward a goal no it right. definitely is well no, you, you look really at is. you look at God's patience towards us yeah. And when we're reaching out to others, we need to have patience in their walk, right? Like somebody comes to Christ, but they're still what doing whatever. I mean, we have to have patience and slowly walk them through these things and show them in the scriptures why this is wrong. Let the Holy Spirit do his work of convicting them. Yeah. And sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as we want, <laughs> but yeah. we got to, we got to exercise. As patience. long as they're willing yeah. to be moving in a, in a, in a, direction of submission to Christ and his word, then we're good. Yeah. It's the moment where people start getting their back up and saying, no, I don't want to obey Jesus at that point that you're like, oh, yeah. But even then we strive, right? We continue mm-hmm. to strive and to seek their repentance and seek their good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. You're welcome. Let's move on. Uh, this next question here is, is a little heady. So buckle up. You ready? Heady. Ready. Andy's ready. Okay, Andy, then maybe, then maybe you can answer it. So I'll just, I'll just make a couple of statements that this listener has made. Teddy. We are relatively certain that neurological impulses birth consciousness. We know for certain that neurological impulses precede exertions of consciousness. You with me? 
I'm with you. Which include acts and of will and choice. If both of these statements are true, will cannot exist freely in any form. It begs the question then, what governs the impulses? And how, finally, how does this fit in with Christianity? Yeah, first, there's a number of things that are happening there. You might want to, re- can, you, can you restate he, the question? Is he saying there's no such thing as free will? Well, well here, that's I'll, the end I'll, result of what he's saying. Okay. I'll restate the question. Yeah, in, in language that will be accessible to most people who are right. listening. As, as your mind works, <laughs> you have these neurological fibers that are firing. They're actually, they're called C fibers. And as they fire... Uh, you're having these electrical impulses in your mind. That's what you know. Scans are scanning and seeing. You know what kind of electri- electrical impulses are taking place in the brain, and and these electrical impulses in your brain correlate to different actions potentially, such as maybe my arm moving or something like that. And and the question becomes then is, am am I just a bunch of neurological C fibers firing? So am I just are, in a lightning storm in the brain? Are you a meat computer? Yeah. You know, another way of putting it is, am I just a meat computer? Mm. And, uh, you know, and nothing more. And if that's the case, it means then that everything is just determined. In fact, you'd have to deduce it down to even your, your DNA. That like, and a hard, we're talking about a hard determinism here. Like, if you're mm-hmm. a meat computer, then any kind of input, just like if I push a keystroke on a computer, it registers a response by the computer. So the inputs, whether it be visual or other things that go into you, produce a, an automatic response. That's right. And and this would be naturalism oh, yeah. at its core is That's a hard it, determinism. Right. And, and I mean, you can push us even farther back to humans just being particles in motion. Now, here's the, here's the problem that this question is begging and, and, the, and the, the person's asking, well, what is, what is those C fibers firing? What is that electrical impulse that's taking place yeah. in the brain? Now, you, you've only got, you know, you got two options here. You know, one is naturalism, and that is that this was scripted by your DNA. This is a part of actually the cosmic explosion of the Big Bang. This is just the way your your particles are moving in motion, and that you can do none other. Uh, you know, it's it's like Jeff was saying, this is a hard determinism. Which, by the way, is just that, that viewpoint is a very, it means the prevailing viewpoint of our culture. What's very interesting is that people who hold that viewpoint uh, will talk about freedom. Yeah. We'll talk about some guy who commits a commits a crime as if, well, he chose to do it. Well, actually, your worldview says he didn't, so there is no such thing as somebody who should go to jail for rape, for example, because he's just responding. His DNA forced him to do that thing. On a hard determinism, how can you say anyone's at fault? Well, you're not. You, you're not. You're just you're a computer, not. and you're responding to the impulses that were given you. Th- this is... this, And now, this, the irony goes deeper, because the irony in this question is, well, how could you ever know this? If if a hard determinism is true, does that mean then you were determined to determine right. that it's a hard determinism? Right. right? Uh, it's, it becomes self-refuting. It's very problematic. I mean, the question becomes, you know, begs the question, how is it that, that you have risen above determinism to even ask the question about determinism? Right. And th- this becomes, for me, one of the big problems of naturalism. Mm. Uh, that that, 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 that's one way of viewing things. As Jeff said, a lot of people view, think that way, and I, I see a, a, a problem. And a it would be consistent there. for those people to say that there is no such thing as 
world as freedom. If you if you accept those premises, those that's correct presuppositions, then yes, the the necessary outcome would be that there is no such thing as as freedom. I heard a professor at Duke University say this once, talking on hard determinism, which I thought was quite interesting. <clears throat> he was a naturalist and said, "Listen, um, professionally." Philosophically, I believe that naturalism is true, and I have no free will. But I don't live as though right. that's true. Right. I live. I play a game. That's we right. We play this. We use language of choice as as a game. Yeah. And that's our culture. Right. Our culture right. plays this game. So what you what you should hear, hear us saying though is that we don't agree with that. Yes. <laughs> that we we we. But the part the reason we don't agree with that is because of we believe in the immaterial soul. So I be- this is a duality then. I would say that two things exist. One is the physical world and the non-physical world. And so I would say that we have both a brain and a mind. The brain would be the physical, the mind would be the imphysical, Im- immaterial, and in fact we talk in everyday language like this. I'll say, Jeff, you were on my mind mm. this weekend. Uh, but I would never say, Jeff, you were on my brain this weekend. Mm. If you were, I, I would be in big trouble, <laughs> right? Because we understand that there's this duality that's taking place. And, right. and so, in the, under the Christian worldview, we believe that, that those sea fiber firings, you know, I guess maybe you could find some Christians that are hard determinists, but uh, that, that Christians believe that those are not determined by your DNA. They're not mm. determined by, you know, the cosmic direction of your atoms, mm. that you actually have a will and, and that there isn't this... Not to get overly complicated, but there isn't this infinite regress of causes that a person can be a a, a primary cause. You, you you make genuine choices is yes. what everybody would agree with that human beings make genuine genuine choices that have genuine consequences to to their actions. That not that that not every that they are complicit in what they're doing. And to to answer this, the question then is what was the last part? How, about how it fits into a Christian, to a Christianity. Yeah, and how it fits into Christianity is that we believe that personhood isn't just uh, uh, left to humanity. It, it's, that, it's not just physical. Yeah, exactly. That ultimately we, you know, we were made in God's image, and that God is a person. Not that God's, uh, um, that God is humanity, if you will. That God's a, like He's a, a human being. Well, in Christ, He was. But in Christ, He was. In the incarnation, you could look at the is, economic Trinity, say. or is. But ultimately, we would talk about an ontological trinity, that we would be talking about who is God, and that God in his essence is actually person, that right. he is in relationship to himself, and that God is free. He's, he's not determined. Right. And that he's able to make real so choices. So, one of the great uh, illustrations of this that both Kyle and I heard J.P. Moreland give in a, in a class that we had uh, was... That he was trying to show that that uh, the human being is like is like a car. If you just follow the the image for a minute, a car has a steering wheel, right? But the car without a driver, even though it might have a steering wheel, isn't going to go anywhere, right? It, it's just it has the potential to go somewhere, but but it, it it doesn't go anywhere. This is this is his point that the brain is the steering wheel of the person. But the soul, or in Andy's language, mind, is the is the driver of the person. So, so we we are. So they work together, right? So, can can the body go somewhere without its brain? Well, no. Can the body go somewhere without its soul? No. 
No, no, it can't. Can a car go somewhere without so a driver? So they're very, they're relied, rely upon, I mean, one, the one relies upon the other. But the materialists or naturalists want to say, well, no, you are your brain. So when they talk about love, they'll put your brain on a, in an image and it'll light up in places. And they'll say, that's, that's love. And we all know that's ridiculous. The, love is not just your brain firing. It is something deep within mm-hmm. you. The feelings and senses that you have are something that is deep, deep inside. The, 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 the images that you can conjure in your mind, I cannot crack your head open today and find them in a physical sense. I can't, well, maybe I'd like to do that with you, Kyle. If I say pink <laughs> elephant, I can't now crack your head open and find a, a picture of a pink elephant, even though you can see it in your mind. So that's what that's what we're getting at that there is that there is an immaterial the, the, the real you is immaterial and material <laughs> right absolutely and to maybe just give an example of how this works is kind of just a because people might say well how do you know the world's immaterial let me just give you one one argument for that and then we can move on if if we if we're done here but um, take take what's on my wrist right now if we were to take the naturalist perspective I would say that what's on my wrist right now I would I would deduce it down to its base component parts. It's made of plastic and metal and glass, right? And and on science on a scientific naturalist point of view, I mean, how could I say any more about what's on my wrist right now? Using the laws of physics, right. using the laws of chemistry and mathematics, can I say anything more about what's on my wrist right now? And, and we would say, well, no. But yet you would say, but that's not what's on my wrist right now. That there's something more there, and ultimately you would say that. Uh, that what's on my wrist is a watch and that it has a purpose. And a design. And a design. And these things can come together for a specific reason. Now, persons are able to do that. We're able to put things together with purpose and meaning Mm -hmm. uh, for an intended purpose. And and these things are beyond the natural world. You can't describe these things on on a natural process. Now, this question that was written in, you could do the same thing with a human being. You could say that all that's happening in your mind is a bunch of chemical reactions. And so the question you have to ask yourself is, do I think that I am just a bunch of chemical reactions that are taking place that have somehow come to the place that I could write in an email asking about the chemical reactions that are going on inside my mind, right? And, and ultimately, I'm going to say, again, that's just nonsense, that you realize that that there is an intended purpose to you and that you're more than just, uh, you know, chemical reactions and particles, that you're a person. Hmm. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Very much. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad Andy was here. <laughs> You wrote a book about something. No, you didn't. <laughs> had nothing to do with this. Move on. <laughs> you, uh, Doctor Jeff, had something you want to bring up, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it's actually a. Uh, is this is this the final? This is salvo? the time. This will be the time. Mm. We've been all over the map, so we might as well. What do you guys think of what's happened in Kentucky with mm. Kim Davis? Is her name? Yeah. And she has been jailed by the governor of Kentucky for refusing to put her name on marriage licenses between same-sex couples. Yeah, I want to talk about that. And she's refused to put her name on on the <clears throat> marriage licenses. She's currently today, she's in jail. And when you're listening to this, you might not there might be further developments in the story, but today she is in jail. She is the county clerk, which is an elected position. Right? So you can't just say the governor can't just say, "Well, you're fired mm-hmm. because she is an elected official." The way you fire an elected official is you impeach them in the state, which means you go to the to the to the uh, legislature of that state and they have to pass a basically have to pass a censuring law against her. 
I think isn't that's a wrong too. Isn't it even a referendum? I don't know if it's a. I don't think it's a referendum. I think they, that the when they talked about this on the to. news, they talked about how most of the people in the area were supporting. Her. Right. Well, that's the crazy so, part. Is so that even if they went, and, well, impeachment the, wouldn't. Well, and the elected officials are would be worried about what would happen if they said, well, yes. we're going to impeach her. Right. Because they wouldn't probably be elected because most of the people in Kentucky agree with her that she should feel free to do this. But the big yeah. issue here, I've talked to a lot of people about this, but the big issue here that I, I find particularly interesting is that what you have here is you have a woman who is trying to maintain her uh, religious freedom while doing a job for the government, who is asking her to do a, a do something that is going to be an affront to to her? Mm -hmm. So this would be very similar to a a Muslim uh, being asked to uh, or, or a Jew a Jewish person being asked to eat a pig for as part of their job. So sure. so yeah. do you give them some kind of way around it? Or do you demand that they that they be fired, or that they quit their job because of that? And so you've had it's, it's been really interesting because you see a lot of uh, Christians who have fallen on very different sides. One one side was saying, "Well, she should quit her job." Well, there is a side that says she shouldn't worry about it at all. This is dumb. Why are you even making a big deal about this? Same sex marriage is the law of the land. We all just need to get in line. There are a bunch of Christians who are saying, "Well, no. Even though same sex marriage is a law of the land." we should be civilly disobedient about it. And the way you do that is you quit your job if it requires you to do something like this so you can maintain your conscience. The third group is, no, you don't need to quit your job. Uh, make them fire you. Subvert it. You, you know what I mean? Stay in your job, work in that role to bring about a more righteous world. So, boys, what do you think? Well, the interesting thing that I read it really... Uh, interesting article from the legal perspective that was pu published in the Washington Post of this. I think he was a lawyer who wrote it, and it was put out. If you want to look it up, it's I think it was on the Gospel Coalition website. Um, John Piper said, uh, tweeted it. Anyway, um, and this this lawyer basically said that uh, her argument her argument was not like she she her didn't want Kim the, her the, Kim yes yeah. Kim Davis didn't want her name on these because. It was going against her beliefs, right. and Kentucky has something called the uh, Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which tells the government they need to make provisions for people who have this kind of argument. Right. And this lawyer was saying her argument definitely falls within the parameters of that. So all the legislature actually would need to do is put some kind of a general title on there instead of her name. Right, and this is this is what North Carolina's done. They yeah. they actually have made it so that if somebody yeah. in, in the because because the issue is that she came to office prior to this decision, so the Supreme Court makes the decision. So people would say, well, Kim Davis is the one who's made who's 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 being obstinate here. Well, actually, it's the Supreme Court of the United States who changed the rules on her. Right. She didn't come into so the, you changed the rules on me. I'm an elected yeah. official into this thing. You're asking me to do something now and put my name on something that I think is morally reprobate. Yeah. So you need to make provision for me. Uh, they they have refused to do that. I mean, they've jailed her, which is just 
his i mean not funny but well, i just it's pretty the, ridiculous the interesting thing is and a lot of people have pointed this out is just the double standard that we've seen because of this because 6 months ago you had counties and cities providing marriage licenses to same sex couples when it was illegal to do so right and none of those people were jailed and none of those <laughs> nobody was demanding even that those people right. get put in jail but right. now here we have somebody on the other side of the fence right. just because they play for the other team. So the question that I want to raise, yeah. though, is not necessarily the legal piece. If you want to read a really excellent piece on this, the New York Times op-ed piece by Ryan Alexander, you can do a Google search for Ryan Alexander, New York Times, and Kim Davis, and you will find his, his piece uh, that summarizes a lot of this stuff, and it's, really, it's very helpful to read. But the, the reason I wanted to bring it up is because this is the sort of thing that's, that is increasingly going to be the case in the Western world, right? Yes. Especially in the United States and Canada and in Europe, mm -hmm. New Zealand, Australia, where you have uh, historically, I mean, our, our constitutions and our governments, even when, they were, when they first began, had provisions in them and continue to have provisions for religious freedom. But on the flip side, you have the government now endorsing certain kinds of laws or certain kinds of activities that we find to be morally un unsatisfactory. That's a nice way of saying it, right? I mean, like, we, we have laws that say, no, you, sh you can abort the child. So what does a doctor do who's put in a position where he's being asked to and, and even forced by the government to abort children or a pharmacist who's being asked or required by the government to hand over pills, mm -hmm. prescribe pills, for a person who's going to that that are abortifacient pills. Mm -hmm. You're you're complicit now in the murder of a child, or in this case, you're complicit in a same-sex marriage. What, what what do you do? These are the questions that the church is going to have to deal with in the next number of years, mm -hmm. and. Pray that that governments like ours will will make uh, allowances for for us, uh, for bakers and um, for uh, uh, photographers and others who don't are. Don't you in think? These don't you think issues? it makes her situation a little more difficult in that it's an elected position, and right. that she represents the state? Right. It does. It does. The question. I think the question is what I, that I want to ask people, and I don't have completely the answer, but I would love to have people start thinking about it. Is what kind of civil disobedience are you willing to show? Because mm -hmm. here's the thing. L let me compare this. Yeah. L let me compare this. In in the 1930s in Germany, yes, the government was asking and demanding people to do things that that were immoral whether they be working on train tracks that were delivering Jews to gas chambers. These are normal people who lived in towns. The Nuremberg trials after World War II came to the conclusion that those people were complicit. They should have acted to stop this immoral thing, that there was a law above the law of Germany, and the law, of course, in the Nuremberg trials was actually an appeal to God and his the, the natural law of God. Mm -hmm. And... You have a responsibility to do so. If you're a faithful Christian, yeah, we need to be thinking to ourselves, what is our responsibility? Not just in the same sex issue, but in all these different issues, what kind of responsibility do we have to seek the the good of the land and the good of the land is in human flourishing the way that God mm -hmm. would intend it mm. to be? And so, these these are real questions. It's not just something you can close your eyes mm -hmm. to. These are real questions if we want to love our neighbors. <clears throat> I'm reminded of the Hebrew midwives, too. 
Shifra right. and Pua. Right. So they were being asked to basically kill Hebrew babies. And they didn't. And they didn't. Yeah. But yeah. should they have quit? So they subverted. That's what's interesting about mm-hmm. this is that they subverted, meaning mm-hmm. that they stayed in their positions right. and carried out the law in a way that was different than than what the the Pharaoh said. Yeah. Uh and so they, they are held up the as Hebrew he, women are they, just. Yeah, I know they made up an excuse. That they just pop out he- babies. The kids come out so fast; right. we could they, get there in time. But they're held up as heroines, <laughs> okay, yes. for not doing yeah. what the government said. So, sh- look, there's lots of different ways for there there to be civil disobedience. What's hard for the Christian church, I think, in this moment is that we are not used to being people who have to be civilly disobedient, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we should be. Because our governments have historically, all of our governments have historically done heinous things like mm-hmm. killing unborn children and lynching black people mm-hmm. and uh, displacing whole masses of humanity off their land. Yeah. We should be civilly disobedient, right? With, yeah. with sex slavery and the kinds of laws that permit it and mm-hmm. even things having to do with the, the financial sector and the laws that permit people to rape and pillage in a financial way. We should be seeking to redeem our setting, right? Be faithfully present in whatever it is that the Lord's placed us in to seek a way to transform that setting in the, into the image of Christ and under his lordship, right? Mm-hmm. This is part of our mission. And so it's just, it's an interesting moment yeah. in, the, in, in, in the United States where you have an actual example of somebody that's real tangible, but should, should be the actual example for all of us. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree with what Kim Davis is doing, whether you think she should have quit or not, we can debate. Or, or whatever, but the idea that she's being civilly disobedient as a Christian yeah. is something I think all of us need to take note of. And it's kind of it's close to home too, because for all y'all who are indentured or credentialed by the by the province of BC to be able to marry people, mm. if you got approached by a same-sex couple to to perform their wedding to um, to do that, yeah. what would you? Yeah, and these are the cha- well, be? these are the challenges, right? That you that you face. Right. My response would be that I'm out of weddings altogether. Yeah. So Right? Because I think, you know, it, now, to like, be fair. Now you have a situation in Oregon where there's a judge. And this just came out, I think, last week. There's a judge who's, your, who's pulled himself away from being a justice of the peace yeah. Yeah. at all weddings because of this. And they're calling for him to be um, kicked off the bench. And, and he might be. Right? Yeah. Th- he might be. Yeah. There are, there's a long history of Christian people who have who have stood their ground and have felt the felt the the mighty hand of the state yeah come against them right and not everybody yeah. not everybody ends up uh, being saved from the fires mm-hmm. right and walk out in miraculous ways sometimes you get sawn in two yeah but you know what before god we have responsibilities to yeah. our to him and to our brothers and sisters in christ and to a community who doesn't know any better mhm amen well, that's all the time we have. So, gentlemen, thank you for your time. Brian, thanks for all your insights and wise words. Yep. <laughs> and tech <All> help. <laughs> uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Thank right. you.